Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a truly inspiring guest joining us. A unique perspective and approach to personal growth will leave you feeling invigorated and ready to embrace life's challenges head on. So based in the uh, picturesque landscape of Scotland, Alison finds solace and inspiration in the beauty of nature so let's welcome alison alison smith thank you for having me pleasure to be yeah. here great so from the uh, walks in the countryside to open water swimming she embraces the transformative power of the natural world so through her coaching writing podcasting she illuminates the path for others helping them navigate life challenges with a touch of unconventional wisdom so her coaching and problem solving toolkit honored over like 23 years of experience so offers a unique blend of support humor and connection and her ability to infuse joy and laughter into every conversation sets her apart creating an environment that encourages growth and transformation so get ready to explore the woods navigate the trees and embark <laughs> on a journey of self discovery with alison smith so stay tuned for an insightful and inspiring conversation that will leave you feeling empowered to transform your life so Welcome back and thank you for joining to this episode Alison. Thank you for having me. It's lovely. Great. Great. So Alison before before we deep dive into uh, this topic like can you share with us your journey of discovering the power of nature as a metaphor for personal growth and how it influenced your coaching coaching approach? I think it started I started I left university and was I was in a purchasing department and um in business big organization and our job was to persuade managers to listen to what we were asking them to do and you know they weren't that interested really and so we're there talking about supplier management and getting really excited about supplier management and they're going you know yawning really and going yeah yeah okay we can do it we know what we're doing and what i did was use gardening because certainly here in the uk 
We've got a lot of gardens, even if we've not got one ourselves, we'll go visiting gardens. So most people within the UK understand gardening. They understand that plants just won't grow um, anywhere. They need the right conditions. Uh, you need to water them. And, um, you know, sometimes a plant might need time in the greenhouse, etc. And we certainly need to prune some of those flowers and you need to... Um, you know, some of them need pulling up and putting in the compost. And so as soon as you started saying to these managers, but that's no different with suppliers. Suppliers need to be, need some tender loving care. They need, some of them need uprooting. Some of them might need pruning. They suddenly went, oh, I'm just plonking suppliers in a corner and, and going, la, 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 I hope they survive. And is it any wonder that suppliers were letting them down? So that was in the mid 90s. And then I went on a neurolinguistic programming course, was introduced to the power of metaphor in terms of um, for facilitating change. And suddenly, rather than it being gardening, I realized, oh, I could do all of nature. And instead of it being about supplier management, it's all of life, which is where landscaping your life came in, because it was much a, bit, a much bigger. Um, metaphor and then I suppose since then I've just looked for every opportunity possible even within purchasing context so even if I was doing um I don't know a conference for purchasing people I'd always throw some nature stuff in um in order for people you know, senior managers to think about vision setting but in the context of going out into nature and noticing what they could from patterns because I think personally I'm a bit resistant to being told what to do. So if somebody said, oh, Alison, what you need to do is this, I'll go, no, I don't. And my logical mind will run rings around anybody trying to give me logical advice. Even if it really makes sense, I don't want to get told what to do. No, 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 no. And what I realised or discovered during the um, NLP course was, oh, hang on a minute. My my logical mind isn't always very helpful, certainly doesn't always want me to change, resists and holds on to current way, beliefs and ways of doing things and doesn't really want to step out of the comfort zone. But I realised that talking about metaphor, I was really quite happy um, because I describe it as we send logical thinking on a coffee break. Yeah, we'll come back to logical thinking. Logical thinking will come up with a plan. It will come up with a whole load of stuff later. But let's just explore the current problem metaphorically because we haven't got all of that data, all of the reasons why we're stuck. Because normally, if we could easily get back on track when we've got a problem or could easily see the solution, we'd have done it by now. You know, because, you know, it's a problem because we can't find the solution, not because we know it's we know what the solution is and we're just, you know, ignoring it. Um, and so I just looked for opportunities, I suppose, over the years and more and more that became, the oh, that's the point of difference. That's the bit I get excited about. And I'm very good at pattern recognition. So I think there's a going out in nature, trusting the patterns. I, every time I talk about nature, I look out of my window. So I'm looking. I'm not look, not looking at you. I'm just looking out at nature. Um, so every time I go out into nature, you know, with, with somebody or even for the podcast, I'm just noticing the patterns and then sharing those patterns to help people go, oh, I need to turn a corner. Yeah, yeah. And then we just turn a corner and notice what they notice because it's, 
the simplicity of it is, uh, but it's very profound. I think that's the thing. It's so simple. Go out for a walk, turn a corner, and notice what you notice about turning a corner. And and I, I every time I do it, I go, is this the time that we're going to turn a corner and somebody's going to go, nah, didn't get anything from that. But that never happens. <laughs> great, great. So, um, it's it's lovely it's lovely and i i must say it's lovely to hear you it's awesome awesome like the way <laughs> thank you you are explaining these things it's just awesome i'd say <laughs> thank you so like how does uh using nature as a metaphor help individuals uh gain new perspective and insights when they feel they are stuck or maybe overwhelmed into their lives so but you okay. say um i suppose there's two reasons one because we are distancing ourselves from all the reasons why we think we're right about viewing this situation as stuck so we can look at a situation and go i'm stuck i don't know what to do and the more we say that the more we will sort of close our eyes to seeing solutions so there is something about the power of metaphor to leave all of the data and all of the stuff that makes us stuck to one side so there is that the other thing is is that we all understand nature we understand that you know day follows night that tide you know there's there's another tide so there's so in some respects if we've got a problem and it's a new problem to us if we look at nature we understand about nature better So there is that. The other thing that I've noticed, and that's what the book was about, was when we're stuck, and, and this is where sometimes it you might have to go, ah, that's not the saying we use where we live. This is a saying, but but uh, so I'm using sayings that really work in the UK. Some of them do translate more broadly, others don't. But for instance, you can't I can't see the wood for the trees. People will use that here to say to me, I, I don't know what to do. It's just too overwhelmed. I have no idea what to do. And you, you can use that saying, and it sounds like I'm stuck. But if you go into a wood, a real wood, or imagine you're going into a real wood, there are numerous solutions. Oh, I need to follow a path out. I need to cut some of the trees down. Um, I might need to have a vantage point. I might need a map. over the years i mean i can still go on a walk with somebody into a wood and they will find a different solution that nobody in 20 years has, has come up with so people will notice what is most helped for them i've been there with senior managers in a wood and um, we were embodying not being able to see the wood for the trees and the, and i thought it was the first occasion it happened but it's happened subsequently where we're there looking a bit lost and somebody walks past and they go oh do you, do you need a map and then and then it's okay so how many of how many of us need a map oh yeah i haven't got a map i haven't got a clue well okay so so what does a map look like in your problem or what does the path look like i mean i've had a lot of people when they can't see the wood for the trees they're using something as a distraction because quite often I'll go so where do you want to get to oh over there i want to get the other side of the trees and it's like well, so why why are you worrying about the wood it's nothing about the wood oh and they're using the wood 
Uh, and therefore, we have a conversation about using the wood as a distraction, the fact that they're fearful of going out of the wood, the wood actually feels safe. So we have all sorts of conversations. And if that's the case, we might walk to the edge of the wood and walk out of the wood in order for them to embody, to feel in their body what it's like to have got out of the wood. Because they're, you know, they may have said, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I, this, I, I know the wood, actually, but I don't want to go out of the wood. And so in the same way as turning a corner, I, I had somebody last week where we were in um, botanical gardens and they'd said, that they were at a crossroads. So every time we came to a crossroads in the botanical gardens, I went, so what decision are you making? And there was a pattern for them of, <laughs> uh, they always wanted to go the route that wasn't signposted. So if there were signposts, so if three of the routes had got a signpost and the fourth hadn't, every time they went for the one without a signpost. So, so again, it's that we embody the patterns. So it's then again about saying, so how are you doing that in life? Oh, yeah, well, I like going on paths less traveled. And, and it enabled them to then go, oh, that's why I want that sort of work. That's why this is what I'm good at. I'm not good at things where somebody has already laid a path down, where the route's known. I'm really, you know, my... Um, uh, USP, I suppose, they're, um, what they're good at is, is is laying down a path. And it just helped them to sort of become much clearer about what they were asking for at work, what sort of job they were looking for. And it was just because I noticed the pattern as they were walking. And I think that's the, you know, you can't not take yourself on a walk. When you go on a walk, you're bringing all of your normal way of acting your normal your all of your beliefs with you and therefore if we set the intention for the walk to bring up these patterns you can't help but do it so there was one person who was um again in a wood but it was they were going around in circles and i said to them so well, where do you want to be oh down here they absolutely with no doubt knew which way they wanted to go so i said so why are we circling so they went off and then they got halfway away from the circling and then they went, oh, but I might have got it wrong. And they came back to the circling. So literally walked back and I said, where do you want to get to? Oh, I know I want to go there, but I'm worried that it's, but there was no doubt. But so there was no doubt about where they wanted to go, but they kept coming back to the circling. And then, and then they said, and literally this is in the complete opposite direction to where they said they wanted to go. They looked, turned around and went, oh, oh, but that bridge down there looks exciting. Shall we go and explore? And so the pattern there was about, if you absolutely know where you want to go, again, that person was distracting themselves with, as we would say here about magpies, magpies, shiny little things, you know, um, magpies are attracted to shiny silver things and they'll pick, you know, their nest is full of, of shiny things. And, um, so again, it was the conversation then was about the the pattern of allowing themselves to get distracted. But it was distracted in that sense by worrying that there might be something better. And therefore, it's it, you know, the, there may be always something better, but you were so sure you want to go, oh, well, I do know where I want to go. 
So let's dispense with all the things that we're throwing in the way of, of making taking the action to walk in that direction. Wow, exactly. <laughs> so lovely. Like, as, as I mentioned prior, like, it's awesome. Like, I was just listening and listening and I was also sometimes laughing as well because the examples which you are sharing, like, uh, if the person is thinking where well, I'm just going, so I'll I'll go this side. So it, it's just awesome. It's, it's awesome. Like, so uh, can can you give uh, like like how can an individual individuals incorporate uh, nature's wisdom into their mm-hmm. daily lives to just to enhance their uh, overall well being and sense of fulfillment? Um. I mean, spending time in nature, I mean, I think for me, mm. the if you've got a problem and you're wanting nature's assistance, then it's go just go for a walk and notice the patterns. So it's just, or, or sit in nature, but quite often, um, yeah, I'll give you a few options, but one option is to just go for a walk. So it's to go for a walk and notice what you notice and be very attentive. So it's not about being on your phone at the same time as you're going for the walk. It is about noticing what you notice. It's going back to those examples in terms of, oh, I've got to a a, a crossroads. Do I know which direction I want to go? How do I feel about that? Oh, so I've had examples where the tide's out. What does that mean? Does that, you know, or by the time the walk's finished, the tide's now back in again. So it's noticing, it could be about the weather, It could be about that you notice um, new shoots or new trees growing. So there is the just noticing what you notice as you go for a walk. Another key to that might be to come back and tell people the story of the walk, because as you tell the story of the walk to somebody, oh, well, this happened and then that happened, the telling of the story enables you to see the patterns. Oh, oh, I keep mentioning crossroads. I came to another crossroads and then I just kept on going. Um, so there are two ways. The other, the other way, though, is, is more static and you could do it by just looking out of a window uh, or going online and, and looking, you know, finding a picture of, of a, a landscape. And that would be to look at a landscape and say, as I look at this landscape in front of me and that this is my life and this is the situation I'm wanting insight on. What part of it represents the problem or what part of it represents the stuckness? And then explore that. Now, I did this the other week for the podcast and what I realised is one of the additional questions I should ask is, or is it behind you? Because sometimes it's like I'm I'm only saying, look what's in front of you, and therefore you're going to have a 180-degree landscape. And what I did, as I say, on the podcast, and this is why I like doing the podcast, because every time I do it, I'm in, out in nature embodying it, and I go, oh, I could turn around. And I turned around, and it's like, oh, my God, we've got 180 degrees of more choice, and actually that is where the problem was. And therefore, it was as if I was forcing a choice and going, oh, well, perhaps the problem's there. But that, but really, it was in a completely different direction. Um, but the other thing that the book is based on is the fact that when we're stuck, we do use lang- um, nature in our language. So we'll say I'm stuck in a rut. 
I'm up a creek without a paddle, can't see the wood for the trees, treading water, so that we use the language. So that so it's about picking up. Oh, I describe my situation as going round in circles. Right, what can I do if that was a metaphorical piece? So quite often, so sometimes I suppose where I'd start is I'd give people a, a list. And so I suppose if you're wanting a list, I'd say go to the um, Landscaping Your Life um, podcast because that's got 40 um, episodes all with different chapter headings or episode headings and those episode headings give you a clue and you so you could go down it and go ah uphill struggle life feels like an uphill struggle at the moment ah that's what i need to explore so what i would say is if life is up an uphill struggle go to a hill because when i did it yesterday i was doing some writing and um, i was lying on the ground um the sea was in one direction but behind me there was a hill and as I'm lying there looking at this hill, thinking about uphill struggle, I thought, I don't even need to get to the top of the hill. What? I mean, I think I've got to get to the top of the hill and I don't. And it's not at all about that. So I think there is a, I mean, as long as you can keep safe with it, um, embody the phrase that best represents how you're feeling because you can't not get insight. So you mentioned that I go swimming here in Scotland. So it's very cold, um, even in the summer. Um, but I did do a video, I mean, a podcast about treading water. So I'm there with my phone on a selfie stick out of the water, treading water. Um, one of the feedback I got was it they could, because I'm going, oh, as I got in. So, so you know, I wasn't, um, I didn't wait. I, I took you in with me, I suppose. Um but again, it's that embodying it, because sometimes we can logically go, if I was treading water, I need to do this. But when you're in the water, you might go, oh, actually, there's a boat there. Why? What? I'll just ask the boat to come over and out. So I think that's that's the other thing is that nature isn't static, like the person walking past with a map or the tide moving or, you know, a seed blowing past. It, it's all, yeah, I suppose there's, there's, there's rules that govern nature that we can then apply to our problems. Yeah, that's 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 great. Yeah. So like uh, you mentioned about the book, so in your book and podcast, uh, you mentioned the importance of inner landscapes. So, uh, so can you explain uh, what this concept entails and how it contributes to personal growth? I think I think the thing is is that we could if if we were to describe describe me you know if we were to describe ourselves we could have a lot of words about it but we but eventually we'll run out of words and if we're not very self aware those number of words we've got to describe ourselves might be quite small whereas the inner landscape is that whole oh, actually, I've got a landscape that I could describe to you that describes me. I could describe myself as a landscape. So it's as if I'm able to, and, th and then it's as if the drawbridge goes down and we've got a lot more words to go, oh, there's a scary bit or there's a hidden bit or there's a garden that's overgrown and very dark or 
Now, we don't have to know what it means. And I think that's the thing. If I, if you were to say to me, tell me about your life and what your challenges were, I might withhold stuff. I might not want to talk about it. Um, you know, I might go, no, 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 that's that's out of bounds. As soon as we bring it out as a metaphor, it, it doesn't have the same, this meaning's the wrong word because it does have the same meaning, but it doesn't have the same power to 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 overwhelm us, I suppose, because we're not saying this means my relationship with my dad and and wasn't that awful or or oh that was when this happened this trauma happened to me. We're just going oh okay there's a, there's an element in of our garden that represents ourselves that's dark. What might we want to do in order to bring some light to that dark and dependent on the on the um, landscape that might come from cutting some of the imagining cutting some of the growth back it might be about um the fact that it was oh it's the middle of the night so let's make it let's add sun into it and i think what happens then is it doesn't necessarily change the situation so much as change our relationship to it because when we started describing ourselves we're saying there's a dark bit in our life it's it, this is this doesn't feel right in the landscape by changing our internal representation to say well we've added light to it we've cut some of the growth back it's as if to me how i describe it is it opens doors in our mind to different ways of seeing things so suddenly we would see things differently suddenly we may t- may take more responsibility for how we're um reacting because we've literally opened a door and said i've just cut some you know, at one level, all I've done is imagined adding a bit of light to that situation. It, logically, our brain has gone, I can see this differently. I can I can release some of the stress I've got about that, some of that situation. I can look at it more lovingly, whatever the, you know, we'll all do it differently. But I think that's where the personal growth comes in, that we can use, we can use a description of an inner landscape to facilitate change on the outside, which then enables us to go on a journey. I'm not saying that that's. <coughs> I'm not saying that that's um, the journey in itself, but I think what happens is that it it enables us to say, "Oh, actually, I've taken a step. I'm now ready to take the journey." I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> so. Um... <laughs> Yeah. So now, uh, what advice would you give to someone uh, who actually struggles to see the beauty and the lessons that nature offers? Oh, cracky. <laughs> um, I would say start small. Um, what comes to mind would be go and buy, buy some seeds Plants get get a little pot. So so here you'd go to a garden center. We'd get a little pot. We could buy a pot that's already got seeds in it, and just put it on your. Yeah, I can't get it out of my head. Put it on your desk, and just water it every day, and just watch the seeds grow, and just and just allow that to represent the seeds of new ways of being to be growing for you because by by planting the seeds with a commitment to oh i want to make this easier i can't do it currently it's hard 
I want to make it easier. But as soon as you start trying to do any of the other stuff that I talk about, it feels difficult. It's like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna plant seeds. I'm just gonna watch the seeds. Because because there's all sorts of things about seeds don't well, there are some seeds that come up immediately, but a lot of seeds will take a few weeks possibly to actually even before you start seeing the growth. You know, you're gonna have to water them, you're gonna have to give them a bit of sunlight quite often. So it, it's as if every day you're attending to those seeds with a commitment to be able to to look at life differently. Now it's the first time I've said that. So, but that's the first time I've been asked what happens if somebody's struggling with that. So I would say that might be. Um, I suppose the other thing would be is to just notice the language. So just notice how often you use nature in your language. Or, and this is the other thing, is it could be that somebody really doesn't get nature, but trains is their thing. And and actually, all you have to do is say, if you were a train, what sort of train would you be? Or what sort of journey, you know, train journey would you be on? And they'd be able to answer it immediately. So I think the thing is, is that although I would say nature hits most people, there are going to be times when, um, so, you know, a few months ago, somebody was a software engineer. And so I did keep going back to the software um, metaphor in terms of, you know, oh, your thinking's in a software loop, um, noughts and ones. Um, so, yes, I, I did keep falling back a little bit on that as a metaphor. So I think the other thing is, is don't force it just notice because there will be something that you feel really passionate about that you'd be able to use as a metaphor yeah. so nature is nature is is goes back i suppose indigenous cultures use nature um because that's all they had these days we've got more than nature haven't we we've got you know houses we've got all sorts of pastimes and hobbies that we could then use as a all right yeah i'll use i'll use games i don't know um, or cars or trains, football. There's all sorts of different things. So I think the other thing would be is don't force it. Pick something that you really know well and then go, so how is that? How are the patterns in football applicable to how I run my life? Because it could be, oh, oh yeah, it's always about winning, don't like losing, scared to lose. You know, and therefore it's about, well, can you have a friendly? You know, so it would be, um, is it about just a kick out, kick about with, with the children? Um, it's just loosening that, oh, yeah, the, the, the challenge I'm facing is because I'm seeing everything like a football match, win or lose, and I don't want to go down level, and therefore I've got to win at all costs. Therefore, I get it becomes very adversarial quite stressful and all of my life is stressful you know and therefore it's about is there another game how can you change the rules perhaps you change the rules of football you know um so yeah exactly plant 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 a fleet seed or find another find another uh metaphor <laughs> so um can, can you discuss uh, the role of self-acceptance 
and embracing the imperfections in the context of nature's metaphors and the personal growth yeah the, i think nature is so brilliant at that because if you go out I, at the weekend i was on a bridge and looking out into this wood and just noticed oh my god there must be 15 different trees there and you wouldn't want the wood to be all full of one tree. I mean, you know, biodiversity these days, we're all into, we need lots of different, you know, lots of different trees. And so when we're, when we're looking for perfection, we're trying to say there's one tree that, you know, is, 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 is in a particular shape, it's a particular height, a particular width, it's got so many leaves on it. And we know the futility and the fact that that's not what we want. Because if every single tree was the same sort of tree, the same height, the same width, same number of tree leaves, we'd all get bored. You know, we'd just go, what, really? So I think nature's constantly reminding us about that that tree over there is at a funny angle because it didn't have all the conditions it needed. It's like the wind was coming in a particular direction, or it was competing against other trees. But it, wow, it survived, even if it's at an odd angle and it's had to go off at a particular, you know, but there was one the other week where it's like, if you've got 360 degrees of tree, most of the branches were in a 45 degree angle because of other trees and the direction of the sun, because it was wanting all its branches to head towards the sun. And so it's that. So why do we expect anything different from ourselves? Yeah, yes, if you go into a garden that's over manicured, then what? We don't have a lot of biodiversity. We're not, you know, certainly here in the UK, we're really into wild. Yeah, we've just had, um, when we're recording this, in May, there was a... Uh, no mow May, it's called, where we don't mow the grass in May to allow all of the insects and all the flowers to grow in order to support the insects that are around at that time. Um, so it's like the universe, that the world needs us in our uniqueness because it's that, you know, our little plants in the wild meadow is as much needed as the next wild plant because the bees like the diversity of different flowers because we come at different times of the year. So, yeah, nature is brilliant at teaching us about... I mean, you can look out at nature and go and feel awe about how bloody fantastic that nature is. And yet if you looked at it, every element of it, you'd go, it's brilliant in its imperfection. Wow. Great question. Great question. Uh, so, so, um, like, um, when we're talking about uh, this thing, we also need to also understand the long term benefits that individuals can experience. Uh, when they when they constantly apply nature's metaphors in the personal growth journey, so what could be the long term? Yeah, I think I think we have to be careful on personal growth because otherwise, 
we can end up beating ourselves up and then it becomes that um, football game I was talking about earlier where, we, where we're constantly beating ourselves up for not winning. Um, but I think, and you could argue, we are already everything we need to be. We're just not allowing ourselves. It's like we've put the um, walls up around us. We've got a few beliefs that are unhelpful. And so we don't allow ourselves out. So I suppose it might be about, you know, the clouds. When there's a beautiful sunrise, there's a beautiful sunrise, even if the clouds are there and then we can't see it. There's always there's always a beautiful sunrise behind the clouds. It's just that we can't always see it. And I think that, that's what we are. We're the beautiful sunrise, but we can't always see it because we've got the clouds in the way. And I see life as, as blowing the clouds away because we are already that beautiful sunrise or that beautiful flower or sea or whatever, you know, whatever metaphor works for you. And so it's about letting go of the musts, oughts and shoulds in my head. So we're told we have to, you know, that this is how we should be. This is, you know, we might be told by, you know, society, it might be um, teachers, it might be, um, you know, Friends could be ourselves. It could be even gurus who say this is this is how you should be, and we and we sort of that's 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 the the cloud. I think as soon as we start listening to somebody else, you know, Dalai Lama still talks about don't believe anything I say. I want you to I want you to prove you know check for yourself if one yes what he's what he's saying he believes. But he doesn't want anybody else to believe it unless they've actually double checked it and made sense of it for themselves. And I think that's the same for me um, in terms of we are that we are that sun for a sunrise. And it's just about, oh, yeah, actually, somebody gave me that bit of cloud. Yeah, that cloud there is. I don't believe in it. Yeah, I don't actually in my heart of hearts. What do I think a human being means? Yeah, I get this in work. I had um, a workshop where I've got some cards with words on. And um, I, I, you know, I'd say, well, pick the word and tell me how it applies to business. And somebody picked the word kindness. And they went, well, I don't think I can be kind in business, can I? And that's that's a bit of cloud. It's like, what? We're human beings. Human beings are born to be kind. So if business is a human activity, then of course we can take all of who we are into business with us. So I think I think that's that's the challenge. The challenge is allowing the, the cloud, whatever metaphor works for you, but the cloud to dissipate for us to shine in our imperfection, I suppose. Um and therefore it's it's the challenge is in noticing when we've allowed the cloud in. That's that's the challenge. The challenge is Am I being me or am I listening to somebody else's concept of what it means to be me or to be human? Because we all because ultimately we all know what it means to be human. And yet we seem to go into some situations. I mean, politicians, you know, it's like they go into politics and then they suddenly, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying if you get the odd politician that's able to hold their own, but a lot of them then put on the archetype of being a politician rather than going, you know what, 
I'm going to make a new archetype for a politician that enables the right decisions to be made, irrespective of what party I'm in, or, um, you know, to say, no, that's wrong, or to put my hand up and say, I did wrong, you know, I didn't made an error. I mean, the archetype for a politician seems to be not to be able to admit that they've made an error. You know, so I think, um, and yet we all know that, you know, what do we tell our kids? Don't, don't lie. I don't mind that you broke that pot. I mind that you're telling, you're lying to me to tell me you didn't break the pot. So we tell our kids that. We know that to be true. And then somehow at adult life, we go, it's all right to lie. It's all right. Anyway, I'll get on me. Sorry, I'll get off my hobby horse. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I do think we know what it means to be human and we know, and therefore it is, I I think our journey is, and nature can help because it's there being beautiful all the time. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it's just evolved. <laughs> Uh, sorry yeah you're asking such great questions because you're getting me really really reminding me about why i get passionate about what i get passionate about <laughs> great great so so i guess uh, like like me who I, I i would i would i would rather say uh listeners might get jealous because i'm the person who actually uh just one-on-one -on -one with you right now and i'm just enjoying it and definitely listeners are gonna for sure they'll also love in this small small areas where it actually it's creating that aura and you you are uh, the mastermind for that <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sure so so thank you thank you for joining on this enlightening episode uh of healthy mind and healthy life like i believe this exploration of nature's wisdom and the power of metaphors has actually left the listeners feeling inspired and motivated to embark on their own journey of personal growth so i encourage all of you to take the time to connect with the natural world around you to immerse yourself in its beauty and to reflect on the metaphors it represents. So by doing so, you will gain fresh perspectives and find the resilience in times of challenge and discover the keys to living your best life. So like I would like to extend our heartfelt gratitude to Alison for sharing her profound insights and experiences with all of us. So like her unique perspective has shed light on the transformative power of nature's metaphors. So I invite you all to continue seeking wisdom in the natural world, embracing the beauty of metaphors and applying these lessons to nurture your own well-being and personal growth. So thank you, dear listeners, for joining us today. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode and found the inspiration to embrace the nature's wisdom in your own lives. So until next time, take care of your mind, nourish your soul, and may the wisdom of nature illuminate your path. So thank you. <laughs>